Good morning. How y'all doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. Y'all looking at me like I'm supposed to do something up here. You can't hear me? Seriously? Hello? Can you hear me now? <laughs> uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, uh, open up with a word of prayer, okay? Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to come to church with brothers and sisters in Christ, to listen to your word, to be challenged by it, to be encouraged by it. Lord, I pray that we worship you today. We worship you with, when we sing. We worship you as we give. We worship you as we hear the word. I pray that you help keep the distractions away so that we can focus on what you want us to hear today. I thank you for Harold uh, going to be bringing your word. I pray that you encourage him, that uh, you give him the words to say, and that we have a great day in your house. Because not only did we show up, but you showed up. Lord, thank you for, for this time. Lord, we love you so much. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let me give you a couple of quick announcements before we get started singing. Um, today, as I said, Brother uh, Harold is going to be um, speaking. And um, this Saturday is our annual soup cook-off and bake-off at 6 o'clock. Uh, did you ask that off? Did you ask it off? Oh, I know Max likes that. Um, bummer, he's not going to be here. So there's more going to be for the rest of us. Um, and maybe someone else will win the bake-off this time. <laughs> he can, no, no, no. If he's not here, he doesn't get the opportunity to win. Well, okay, he can send it. Just he, No one can vote on his. Okay. Uh, no, it's a great time of fellowship, a uh, great time. I hope you come. Um, if you have any questions about that, don't hesitate to ask me or anybody else. So we'll, we'll help you out there. Um, March 3rd is our uh, Carrion Fellowship Dinner. And then March 16th is uh, Barb Solomon's uh, funeral memorial service. And, uh, um, again, I still haven't heard a nailed-down time. Uh, they were talking possibly 3 o'clock. So, um, uh, <clears throat> Hopefully we'll hear from that soon. And then also you can see in here we've got Easter. It's coming up. It's coming up fast. And so uh, Easter egg hunt uh, on the 30th and then uh, our Easter services on the 31st. And uh, I'll put that in as uh, we get closer. All right. Why don't you all stand with me as we worship the Lord with our voices. And uh, we're going to start off with a worship the King. Great. 
continue worshiping him, uh, I must tell Jesus. Y'all remember this song? I know growing up I heard this song a lot. How many of y'all have never heard of this song before? A few of you. All right. So the rest of us, we need to sing out really loud if you remember the song. Okay. All right. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, He kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for His own. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. He is a kind, compassionate friend. If I but ask pretty good on that. Why don't you all look around and say, hey, good to see you today. And you may be seated. All right. Um, We're going to sing, the last song we're going to sing this morning is Heart of Worship, and uh, we will take up our offering during this song.
ask uh, Rick if you would ask God to bless the offering, please. Um, I do, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I do the bullet, well, this week I did the bulletin last week before uh, Sunday, and so uh, I forgot to change. I'm not speaking, Harold is. So, Harold, come on up, share what the, the Lord's put on your heart. Thank you, sir. I was just hoping in his old age that he had forgot that he asked me to preach and he was going to bring the message. So that didn't quite work. I don't know about the rest of you, but, well, that last song will hopefully go along with my message. I'm glad Ben uh, pulled that out. Um, But the one before that that most of us had never heard, did anybody else hear Hee Haw as soon as that that verse started? You know that I don't don't remember. All I remember as a kid listening to Hee Haw and the, the song went right along with that, uh, you know, where they say, you were gone at the end. Oh, my. I was, I, you distracted me immensely. I did it. Uh, I did not come back to where I was supposed to be in that song. Uh, that tells you how old I am, though, too, that uh, <clears throat> at least I still have my long-term memory. Uh, so, oh, wow. <clears throat> so first, Pam, I noticed you were looking around a little concerned Earlier, when you saw Annika, you did not forget there is no potluck. So, <clears throat> so you're okay. Uh, just, just to put everybody at ease, she, she occasionally does go to church when there is not free food at the end of it. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I do have one public service announcement uh, for a few of you. So uh, the uh, there is something going on this week that a wor- a very worldly thing is happening this week. And Jim, we're not talking about the Super Bowl because we know that's long after your bedtime. Um, <clears throat> but what it is is Valentine's Day, and while it is a worldly concept, uh, I have gotten to know quite a few of the married couples. Uh, here within the church, and uh, I just want to say that men, you all married up, and it's probably a good week to uh, to make sure that uh, that the person that you are happy to be with knows that uh, that she means that much to you, and ladies, vice versa, for you. So I know it's a worldly Hallmark holiday, um, but. Uh, but aren't uh, men, aren't we all happy that our wives are still blind uh, with the love that they have for us? So, uh, uh, yeah. All right. So let's get started. <clears throat> or somewhat started. So I've been, I've been thinking a lot about what I wanted to talk about today, and I'm, I'm hoping it comes together in, on the paper it somewhat does, and it somewhat doesn't. But, uh, but I'm hoping that, uh, that the Lord will at least connect the dots for you, even if I don't. 
So I've had the blessing um, to have the ability to see patterns that are worldly, both in people and in processes. Um, Throughout my career, I've been able to solve complex problems with both people and with processes, and that has enabled me to excel. One of the issues that I've noticed with this gift, though, is it gives me a predis—it predisposes me to think that I know what God wants without going to his word and without going to him for counsel. And with all the worldly things out there, I, I'm not sure that I'm doing a great job of, of following him and not following worldly views. And so that's what I'm going to try to touch on today. I'm going to give one example of a worldly view that's, that's around us that can affect our church and, and our own beliefs. But there are thousands. And, and I think God calls us to, uh, to be a little more diligent than maybe I have been. I don't want to talk for you, but at least for where I am. So with that, I want to start in Romans 12, verse 2. Paul writes, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Again, he's calling us not to conform right, to the beliefs and the patterns of this world. Today I hope to discuss that challenge in examining God's word and make sure that we don't stay stuck in our worldly views, especially those that came before we were saved or just are just part of the world today. But that we look deeply into his perfect word for his answers instead of our own, because our own are very easy to come by. So in preparing for this sermon, um, well, there's two things. I know Jennifer's not here, but while I was going through my concordance to find different, different passages, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I stick everything in my Bible. Okay? So I found a note in somebody else's handwriting that's to Jennifer, um, and I'm pretty sure since it was still in my concordance, I probably never gave it to her. But this way she can't say I never gave it to her. She's supposed to be watching. But cantata practice will begin Sunday afternoon at 5. And I'm pretty sure it's Maggie's handwriting, which means it's over five years old. But I delivered the message. Uh, just better late than never. Uh, I was really surprised when I opened up my concordance and it was just stuck flat right in there. So, uh, All right. But also while preparing my sermon, um, I, I came across something that showed that I don't always see or hear things the way the rest of the world does. And, and I was looking for a common saying that I grew up understanding that I think I heard from my dad. And that, what I thought was a common saying is, but not exactly the way that I heard it, and that is that the best things in life are never free. 
And in that common saying, the idea is to have a good work ethic, that things worth having are worth working for. The American dream, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, get rewarded for the effort that you put in. Um, Of course, Google said, yeah, that's not a common saying. The common saying, according to them, is that the best things in life are free. And what that particular saying is referring to is the foundations of finding peace in the moment and realizing that many of the things that we hold dear don't cost anything. Things like spending time with friends and family or watching the sunset with your spouse, seeing the miracles that God has put out there in nature. But, and, and then mostly of all, the gift that God gave us in his son dying for us on the cross. So I was a little confused, but then, and then I started thinking that even in scripture we see paradoxes, right? Things that don't make sense. Because in one place it says one thing, and in another it says something else. And we tend to gravitate to the one that's easiest to understand, rather than putting them both together. And in this case, both of the sayings are true. The best things in life are free. And at the same time, the best things in life are never free. And they can both be true at the same time. To give you an idea of that, 33 years ago, Jennifer, uh, I had the, the, the luck to, uh, to meet Jennifer. And somehow God made her blind to who I was at the time. Because I was not who you see. Um, and I changed through the years and got rid of childish and, and other beliefs and behaviors that changed me to be more of the man that she deserved me to be. Um, She was not free. But I will tell you, she's one of the best things that I ever have received. And she is worth every bit of the sacrifice and any sacrifice that I made for her. At the same time, the gift of salvation is given freely. And it is the, it is the greatest gift of all. However, we also need to look at it as while it was given freely, it didn't come at no cost. God gave his only son to die on the cross. Jesus died for my sins. The Holy Spirit has to live in each one of us. And if you're anything like me, your minds are so easily distracted. Think, think of, I'm not sure if the Holy Spirit didn't get the worst deal that he's in my head. Um, <laughs> And knowing and following me and how easily distracted we are. So, so I hope that shows that you can have two things that appear to be completely opposite, right? But they both can be true. And that's why we have to dive into our scripture because sometimes we take a piece out of context, so, so that's what I want, to, I want to talk about today, is I want to talk about how are worldly views affecting our walk with Christ. 
So today there's a huge movement about accepting everyone just the way we are or the way that we want to be. You know, it can be, it can be changed around the, of I don't need to change and you just need to accept me the way that I am or however I want to be. Now, some of you may think that that's new, right? I mean, we are seeing it everywhere on bumper stickers, on every, every type of communication that's out there. But no matter how old you are, you know somebody older than you that still acts like a 3- or 13-year-old, right? That puts themselves before everything else, right? So, so it's not new. It's not a new concept. The new concept is that it's generally being accepted by the world to say out loud. Uh, and the fact that we actually have parents saying it, you know, uh, when their kids are very little, like, I want, you know, I'm glad where my kids have ended up, but, and I was happy with them when they were two, but if they were still acting like that, they probably still wouldn't be around. Uh, <laughs> right? So, so there's a level of maturity that's expected. You know, the scary part of this is that that view is reinforced by our Christian beliefs. God does accept each and every one of us exactly as we were or as we are when we ask for salvation. He doesn't ask for a change before, right? He asks you, he, he asks you to come. And even though God wants you to come as you are, that's not all that he said. As Christians, we promote that view of coming to Christ but we're called to do more than to come to him. And the scripture needs to be explained in its entirety, in the whole, and within context. We have to be really careful that we don't just focus on the pieces and parts that make it easy. So, so j- just to, to use that one example... Salvation is God's gift to undeserving men and women. It's definitely scriptural. I don't think there's any debate on that. And it was offered while we were all still sinners, ungodly, even the enemy of God. That, that, uh, that is demonstrated in Romans 5, uh, verses Uh, six through eight. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not because we loved God. I want to be clear. Not because we love God, but because He loves us. And it was offered to all that would receive it. And it was offered freely. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a cost to receive it. 
The gift is free, right? And I think this is something that we have to talk about. Many in Christianity have the concept, different concepts about salvation that aren't biblical. One, that salvation can be earned. It can't be, not through good works, right? You have other Christians that just believe that they can attain heaven as a reward for just doing good things, living a good life, giving generously, or going to church on Sundays. But, but scripture is clear. We can never earn our salvation because it has to be given to us. The sad thing is with, with the way the world is going about this, many people stop right here. That the gift is free. We will always be undeserving. Our good deeds will never earn us salvation. So many just say, I accept Christ. He'll forgive me. And while that statement is absolutely true, it's not the end of the story. This is where, in all things that we look at in our Christian walk, we've got to make sure that we're going through all the Scripture. And I know for many of you, what I'm going to work through is common knowledge to you. But it's the way we have to work through so many questions that are coming at us from the world today. And that's why I wanted to pick something that was, that was already somewhat common. So again, we have to understand that it's the acceptance of the gift that is free. Right? The gift is free. It's a gift. The cost comes after. So there is a high cost for accepting the gift of Christ. It comes with the denial of ourselves and the sacrifice of what many men and women hold dear in the world. And Christ is clear in his own words. I want to read from Matthew 19, uh, verse 16. He makes it I think abundantly clear that you can't have the just believe peace without the rest. So in, in chapter 19, verse 16, he go, it starts out with, now, man came up, now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commands. Which ones, the man inquired, and Jesus replied, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father, your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All of these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. There's a piece of, we, we know that we will never earn this. But I think it's quite clear that, that Christ made clear to the young man who left sadly, right? I, I probably didn't read the, 
Sorry about that. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he knew he had great wealth. He went away sad because he wasn't willing to walk away from it. The perfect example of the opposite of this story is Paul himself. Paul was rich, young, incredibly smart, incredibly charismatic. He was the Jew of all Jews, right? He was. When he was persecuting Christians, he was on posters in in kids' bedrooms. And he gave it all up. He became an outlaw to what he was going after, right? He became one of the persecuted to accept Christ. That was the cost. He wasn't going to sit on the Sanhedrin once he, once he did that, right? He wasn't going to be thought of as a rabbi and a ruler of the Jews. He gave that all away to follow Christ. And he, he did this gladly in Galatians 2 verse 20. Paul says this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live by Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul's trying to put it out there that he died, right? He personally died to take on Christ. It should be very clear that one cannot accept Christ and his salvation on lesser terms than complete surrender of themselves. I I don't want anyone to get me wrong. There is no one more glad that Christ accepted, accepted me and loved me the way that I was and the way that I am. But I can't stop there like the worldly view would have us do. There's a second part, or a third, a fourth, or a fifth, right? There's more to it than just accepting the gift. Some want to accept Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord of their lives. But the two are inseparable. And while we will never be perfect in our walk... He does call us to follow him. So no man can accept Jesus as savior of his soul, right? Without accepting him as Lord of his life. Those two are inseparable. Yet somehow this worldly view has has wanted to drop the Lord of our our life out of the equation. Or talk about it lesser than the salvation that we get when we first believe. But the two go hand in hand, right? We accept the gift. We accept him as Lord. They're together. Jesus himself made this clear when he warned his hearers uh, of the cost of discipleship being high. And in Luke 14, um, verses 25 through 27, it says, Now a great multitude went with him, and he turned and said to them, this is Jesus speaking, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life also, 
He cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Again, I just want to, just another example that Jesus intended to be above ourselves. Again, the gift was free. There's a cost to the salvation, or not the salvation, there's a cost to following him. That's where the sacrifices come from. And he expects to be above all of our life and above all of our possessions. So this is where I, and I believe, uh, so many struggle. It is true we'll never be without sin in our lives, and we will never deserve salvation. But we are called to make him Lord of our lives. And this is where, again, this is where I have trouble with so many of the worldly views that are out there. A, a separate one is I'm, I'm getting of the age and financial position where retirement is starting to be on my mind a lot. Probably too much. And believe it or not, I can't find any scripture to support the worldly views that my financial planner or my YouTube channels or anyone else describes as retirement, which is more around a little bit of golfing, a little bit of fishing, some traveling, and some general leisure and relaxation. I don't see that biblically. And I've been working a lot of years while I thought I'd been doing a good job being a Christian with this view that's worldly without, without asking God about what he was looking forward to. So again, for many years, I, I've tried to follow Christ, and, and, but I'm still being influenced by the world. I've tried to be a good husband, a good father. I've tried to be the church leader and the employee that I was called to be by him. But at the same time that I was focused on those things and getting his insight, I wasn't, there are other things that are worldly views that I was ignoring and not, not paying attention to him to make sure that he was being the Lord of my entire life and not the pieces and parts that I wanted to give him. So this is the challenge that I believe many of us face. The longer that we walk with Christ, maybe because I've known him for so long that I no longer feel the need to challenge my worldly views. That I think that I already know what he wants because, you know, we're so familiar with each other. And the sad thing is, I don't spend nearly as much time anymore as I once did on, on truly digging into his word and asking for his counsel on the things that I believe that, that I'll be honest, for the most part, the things that we struggle with are worldly views. So, again, 
the just accept Christ and be saved is only part of the story. Many, a peop- many people assume that it's just a matter of accepting him with no strings attached. And we definitely can't let that be what we, what we teach. However, when we consider the words of Jesus himself, we know that that's not the whole truth. And that's why the gift of salvation, while offered freely, still comes at a high cost for us to make Jesus Lord of our life. Again, salvation can never be earned. Uh, No matter how long and diligent of a life that we live with obedience, we're never going to be worthy servants, right? We're always going to be the unworthy servant that he gave grace to. But Jesus rightfully demands the full surrender to his authority as Lord. And, And he can't accept anything else. That's what he wants from us. We all need to understand scripture's complex. Sometimes it says one thing and we read something else and it takes, takes it a different way. And God is never going to expect perfection from any of us. But we do have to think about things differently than the world. More importantly, we need to be in his word and seeking his counsel on a daily basis about the common things that we believe. Not just praying for someone who's sick. Not just big life decisions. It's the little life decisions that he also wants to be a part of our life and and he wants to rule over. So I have a challenge for you. So if if you've known Christ as your Lord and Savior for a while, I want to challenge you to focus on Him being Lord in your life. To make sure that your life and your actions are led by His counsel, His Word, and if we listen hard enough, there's some whisperings of the Holy Spirit that should be in there to help guide us. And that, you, and that you start to challenge so many of the worldly beliefs that are out there that put ourselves first. Because by definition, if it's a worldly view that puts yourself first, it, it's probably not God's will. If you happen to be a Christian that's new to your faith, simply stay in his word. Continue to talk to him. Get the counsel of brothers and sisters around you and make sure that you build build the army around you to keep you safe. And then most of all, if you've not accepted Christ, I do want to do one thing. I know I've made it sound like it's scary and it's hard. But, but if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I need you to know one thing. It will be the easiest and the hardest decision that you ever make. But it will absolutely be the best decision 
and the most worthy decision that any of us can ever make. So with that, if you would, um, join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for for the ability to to dive into your word, Lord, and and Lord, I just pray that 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 your words were spoken. Lord, I just ask that that you be with each and every one of us to look at the world around us and make sure that that we are trying to decipher the things that go on through your word and through your counsel and not on our own. The worldly views are so easy to follow. Lord, we, we just, I, I just ask that you be with each and every one of us to strengthen us and help us to, to live a life that is guided by you, where you are Lord of all. I ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. All right, with that, I am going to have a time of invitation. All right, I can't read back there. Sorry. (laughs) We're going to be singing Trust and Obey. Dismissing us with prayer, please.